Thank you, team, so much for leading us. And God is at work, and God is working. And um, I'm convinced every day, and even as we walk through this text, that we see that God is designed to work in and through our lives as believers. If you have your Bibles, Colossians chapter 3, and uh, we are continuing through this little letter uh, tucked away in the New Testament, Colossians. Uh, It's four chapters, 95 verses of divinely inspired, authoritative teaching to the church. Um, Paul was writing this letter from a prison cell to a young church in a city called Colossae. And they were thriving, they were growing, they were bearing fruit. No doubt there were struggles along the way and pressures that were coming in on all sides. But yet God was doing a powerful work through his church. God desires to do a mighty work through his church today. And if you had to pick out a theme in this letter, you could find it in Colossians chapter 2 verse 10. Where it says, the Bible says, so you were filled in him. Another way to say that would be you are complete in him. So in other words, apart from a relationship with Jesus, you are incomplete, that God has designed you for a relationship. And if you're living outside of a relationship with Christ, then you have missed out on what God has created you for. And then he desires. And not only that, but but when you acknowledge your sin, your need for a savior, you repent of your sin, you turn from sin and self, turn to Christ receive him as Lord of your life. He saves you. He rescues you. He redeems you. And not only that, but he gifts us as believers, the gift of his Holy Spirit, his presence to bring glory to him. So that's why when the Bible says you're filled in him, you're complete. That means that in Christ, that God has equipped you with every resource you need to become all God has designed you to be. You are complete in him. It's a nautical term. It's a boating term. It means you're fully rigged. You are completely set everything you need in him to live a life that brings him glory and to live on mission for him. And in this part of the letter, he's kind of he's kind of rounding a corner into the very practical side of living the God honoring life that he's called us to. He, he, and he's using in this passage of scripture, he's actually using clothing language. He's using co- clothing language. And so he's going he's gonna to be like, hey, there's some things you need to put off. There's some things you need to put away. He even uses language that says you need to put to death some of these old things these, that, that reflects that old nature apart from a relationship with Christ. And that there are new clothes putting on Christ this new self that he calls us to. And that's what he's going to be walking us through this morning. So it's out with the old and it's in with the new. It's out with the old. And he specifically, and I I won't rehash last week's message, but even just in the verses prior, he's really speaking to two areas in the church's life, the believer's life. Like he's not talking to unbelievers, far from God people. He's talking to the church. And he says this, put to death sexual immorality in your life. So he addresses the sensual sins and he also addresses the social sins, talking about anger and malice and slander and lies. He says, out with the old, out with the old and in with the new. In Colossians chapter three, verse nine, The Bible says this, he says, do not lie to one another. So he's kind of wrapping up that out with the old teaching. Don't lie to one another, seeing that you have put off this old self with its practices and that you have put on the new self, 
which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. So the first truth that we want to see this morning in this text is that in Christ, so people in a relationship with Christ, believers are gifted with a righteousness and a new identity that we could never earn. We could never earn it. We're gifted with a righteousness and a new identity that we could never earn. Throughout this letter, Paul has been teaching. He's been helping this young church remember that because of their faith in Christ, and that's how he opens the letter, because of their faith in Christ that he had heard about, knew about, that, that God had rescued them, saved them. They were buried in Christ. They've been raised to walk in newness of life. He said that they have been delivered from the domain of darkness and they've been transformed or transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. The Bible says that we have forgiven all of our trespasses. So in Christ, we're forgiven all of our trespasses. And not, not only that, but Christ through the finished work on the cross has disarmed the rulers and authorities. So the enemy has been disarmed. So for the believer, we are not under the rule and reign of self and sin, but rather we have been set free because of the finished work of Christ. And not only that, but he talks about how in Christ we are hidden in Christ. We kind of use this picture even of our hands to kind of represent that if our thumb were to represent us, but yet in Christ we are hidden in him. We are surrounded by him. And so because we are hidden in Christ, that we are safe, that we are secure, that the enemy, if he's going to mess with you, he has to go through Christ first. And so we're hidden in him. We're hidden in him. The Bible says that we're new creations in Christ. The old has passed away. Behold, all things become new. And so again, in this passage, he says, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. So this is something that because of their faith in Christ, this has already happened. They have Put on this new self. Now, putting on the new self, he's using, again, clothing language. He's using clothing language. And, and with this language, when he says this, it's going to connect in a very unique way with the church. What we might not initially see out of the gate. Because when he starts talking about this new clothing, this new self, their minds would have gone back to the very beginning in Genesis. And as you know, God created everything and he said it was good. And he made mankind and he said it was very good. And so God has his will, he has his design, and he gives his people one rule, one rule, one thing, right? Don't eat of that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't do that. One thing, right? It's all for their protection. But what do they do? I guess they can't help themselves, right? And so they step outside of God's design. They step outside of God's will. And every time that happens, that leads to a place called brokenness. Every single time. That actually could be a great definition for sin. It's when we go our own way. And so it leads to this place of brokenness. And what happens is as people, we try to, we try, to try all these avenues to bring healing to our brokenness. But nothing heals our brokenness, only Christ. And so they eat of the fruit. Their eyes are instantly open. They become aware of their nakedness. They're ashamed. And they sew fig leaves together trying to hide them or try to cover themselves. 
And I was even thinking about this study. I was like, what must have that been like? <laughs> have you ever tried sewing together leaves? I, I don't know what that looks like or how that happens. But basically what they're doing is they are in their own strength, in their own wisdom, in their own intellect. They are trying to fix and hide their brokenness. But the reality is this. There is nothing we can do about our brokenness. And so what does God do? There's absolutely consequences to sin. Absolutely. But listen to what God does in his compassion and in his love and in his care. What does he do? He sacrifices an innocent animal. And with the shedding of blood, he takes the covering of the skin to cover their brokenness. You see the shedding of innocent blood to make a covering for man's sin. Genesis 3.21 and so if you look ahead to the New Testament, in the New Testament, you see Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God in the flesh, John the Baptist. I love what he says when he sees Jesus coming. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. And so he sees this Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, lives the perfect sinless life, a life we could never live. And he bleeds out on the cross. And yet it was his blood and his blood alone that could forgive man of sin so that mankind could be covered. The result of God shedding his innocent blood was to provide a covering for man. And so this is what they would have had in mind. When they see this covering, this new self, it's speaking of gift righteousness. Gift righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him, Christ, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So that in a relationship with Jesus, you are hidden with Christ. We are covered. We're clothed in Christ and in his righteousness. We are hidden in him. And when Paul says to put on this new self, he's saying, believer, put on Christ. And so there's, there's this positional being in Christ and we're clothed in Christ. But then there is the practical living out our lives in a way that brings honor and glory to him. And so verse 11 says this, because of this, because of this, here there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave free, but Christ is all and in all. Because Christ indwells all believers, all are created equal. Sinful man has forever tried to tried to separate and, and put on different levels. And I love that because of Christ and in Christ, there are no racial separation, religious separation, cultural separation, financial separation, no social barriers. Sinful man is always trying to build some things to kind of keep people apart, but yet the gospel tears all of those down, tears all of those down. And because Christ indwells believers, all are equal. And so the message is this, out with the old and in with the new. Put on Christ. Put on Christ. Verse 12 says this. Put on then. And here's what he's about to lay out the clothes. All right. So I'm a big believer. I love this phrase. Sunday morning is a Saturday night decision. All right. So some of you uh, made a decision last night. This is what we're going to do today. And depending on how things go in your household on a Sunday morning, you might have gone ahead and take a next step and laid out the clothes. All right. My lovely bride is out of town. Got four kids. She's almost back. I'm so excited. Um, and, but, but here's the thing. Last night, we're like, okay, here we go. All right, we got in the closets. We laid all the clothes out because, like, 
we need success in the morning, all right? And we all made it to church. I'll just say that. We're here. Three are in the other building, I think, and, and one is here, so we're, we're good. But, but, but here, here is the deal. Paul is going to lay out the clothes. And these are the clothes that as those believers in Christ, hidden in Christ, this is our attire. In verse 12, he says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against the, another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And here is the second truth that we see. God's ultimate will and design for our lives is that we look more and more like Jesus. We look more and more like Jesus. They talked about the new self that's putting on Christ. Putting on Christ. Resting in Him. Allowing him to shine and live in a way that honors him through our lives. And so, I'll be honest, not like, like narrow road here, okay? Bible talks about how few find it. This is an attire that is much different than what the world wears. And so, this attire for the believer is going to look unique. And it's going to be maybe challenging at times. And yet, this is what God has called us to wear, called us to honor him with it's going to look a little counterculture and 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 the, and the thing is this is it's all and it's all a part of his plan that we would become more and more like him Romans 8:29 the ultimate will of God for your life for my life is that we be conformed to the image of his son and so here he goes he begins with compassionate hearts compassionate hearts we see this embodied perfectly in Christ, all of these we do. But compassion hearts is more than feeling sorry for somebody. If we were able to dig into that language and really get the richness of that word, we would actually learn that it speaks of a deep gut level hurt for another. And then it's not only acknowledging or seeing a need that's around, but it's doing something about it. The Bible often tells us about God's compassion but God in, per, in the person of Jesus actually shows us what it looks like. In Matthew 14, 14, just prior to him taking a few loaves of bread and a couple fish and feeding thousands, the Bible says this, that when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. He had compassion on them and he healed their sick. So it was much more than just observing, wow, there's a lot of people with a lot of needs right here. He actually invests himself and he becomes involved one of my favorite stories in the bible mark one we see it again in matthew chapter eight but it's when jesus is in capernaum this is kind of his home base for ministry it's the sabbath he walks into uh peter's house peter's mother-in-law is sick christ touches her she instantly is brought to complete health the bible says she actually starts healing or serving just right out of the gate and and the bible says this it says that evening that evening, they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed all who were sick. This was the Sabbath day, and no doubt, like in a small town, word travels quick. Word, word travels quick. They heard what happened to Peter's mother-in-law, and so guess who's at the front door? The whole city. <laughs> Mark 1, the whole city comes. They're all there. And what does Christ do? Christ has compassion, and he invests himself, no doubt, into the wee hours of the morning. No doubt. And, and this is the same passage. Mark 1 talks about how Christ rose early while it was still dark. And he went to a desolate place to pray. This is the morning after the early morning hours of ministry. 
And so we see Jesus having compassion. The Bible says in Matthew 8, 14, that it says this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah that says he took our illness and he bore our diseases. To, 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 the word took means to carry the burden of. And so Christ comes and he carries the burden of a sinful man. And the question for us as believers is do we take notice of the needs around us? And not only that, are we invested? Do we become involved? Who are you walking alongside? Something that we're trying to start in our home and, and, and we, trust me, we, we, we start a lot of things and we don't always make it right. But one of the things is at the end of the day when we're eating dinner together, it's like, okay, who, who is one person in your, in your day today that you went out of your way to help, to encourage, to do something for? And so it's just this being conscious, not just of seeing it, but of becoming invested in it. This is in with the new. He goes on to talk about kindness. And this just is to permeate every area of our lives. It really takes away the harshness that may be in us. In Mark chapter 1, 40 and 41, I love this story. It says the leper came to Christ, imploring him, kneeling and said to him, if you, will if you can make me clean, moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and he touched him and he said to him, I will be clean. But here's what we don't need to forget in this picture is that a leper, a leper lived in isolation. A leper was an outcast. A leper was considered ceremonially, ceremonially unclean. To touch a leper then would make yourself unclean. And Christ could have healed him with a word, but what does Christ do? Christ touches him. I love that. It must have blown the disciples' mind. What are you doing? And yet with just a touch, Jesus is not defiled, but rather brings cleansing to the leper. I love that. And so today, even today, Jesus is the only one who can touch the life of a sinful man and yet clothe them in his righteousness. He's the only way. And so this kindness, this out-of-the-way kindness pour out of our life. This is in with the new. These are our clothes. Um, kindness. And then he goes on to talk about humility. This is an absolute dependence on God. It shows that we have no concern for power. It shows we have no concern to need to be the one up front. We have no concern for position. Like we don't need people to acknowledge us. This humility honors Christ and is what he calls us to. If you think about it, without the humility of Christ, we would not have the opportunity to be saved. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says, Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. To clothe ourselves in Christ is to be humble. We have a complete dependence on God. This is what we wear. This is in with the new. These clothes fit us now. The old doesn't fit anymore. This fit us. He goes on to talk about meekness. Some, some of your translations may say gentleness. But let's not mistake this for weakness. Gentleness. Meekness. The Bible says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, one of the sweetest scriptures in all of the Bible. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden. I just wonder if we just took a moment. We're not taking a poll. But I wonder how many people in the house, how many people listening online right now are weary. 
you're, you're weary. Jesus says this, come to me all who are labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Again, don't mistake this for weakness. But instead, it's a willingness to suffer instead of inflicting suffering on other people. This call for meekness, gentleness. I love this. Uh, one one fellow said, gentleness is what humility looks like in public. Sometimes humility, it's kind of like invisible, kind of like hard to pin kind of trait. But this is what it looks like in public. Gentleness is humility in public. This is in with the new. In with the new. These are the clothes. These are the clothes for the believer. He goes on to say patience. Patience. Christ was perfect in every way, even in his patience. Anybody need a little help in the area of patience? I see that hand. Okay, they're all there. They can all go up, all right? Because it's true. Listen, Christ, Christ displayed perfect patience. It's peaceful resting, waiting on God's perfect timing. Think about the patience Christ must have endured, experienced in his life. Number one, Christ was born to die. That was his purpose. Throughout the Gospels, you will read his hour had not come. His hour had not yet come. The hour was coming. God in his perfect omniscience, Christ understood and knew the timetable. He knew it was coming, but yet you see this patience. And in the midst, resting in God's perfect timing. You see it in the disciples. We hear the stories about how they were actually arguing over who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And don't you just, I, I don't know, I wasn't there, but I just almost pictured Jesus just shaking his head. <laughs> like, like, these guys just don't get it. They just don't get it. They're like, oh, I'm going to be the, who's going to be the greatest? I want to be at your right hand. I want to be at your left hand. And, and the patience, I think of the patience Christ had with Judas. The fact that he knew exactly what Judas' mission was. He knew exactly the, the uh, just the, the hypocrisy that was just pouring out of his life. He had everybody fooled, but he didn't have Christ fooled. And yet that perfect patience, understanding, understanding how it was all going to play out. I see the patience of Christ with Peter, who time after time denied Christ, denied Christ, denied Christ. But yet in the resurrection, we see Christ restoring him. And Peter just lives this incredible life on mission for the Lord. And I just see that patience. It's all throughout Scripture. If God were not patient, no one would ever be saved. I love 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. He's patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God's desire is that all people would repent of their sin and place their faith and trust in Him. And He is patient with us. He's patient. He's patient. And so we clothe ourselves. This is what we wear. We wear patience. We wear patience. But then he says, bearing with one another. It speaks of endurance. Holding out in spite of persecution or threat or injury or indifference. Bearing with one another. I think of the endurance of Christ. And obviously, the endurance that he experienced all throughout his ministry. But particularly, my mind goes to the trial where he's standing before Pilate. And in John chapter 19, the Roman official Pilate, he says, where are you from? Jesus gives him no answer. So Pilate said to him, you will not speak to me. Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? And Jesus answered with him, bearing with him, 
okay? You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. So it's this endurance, this enduring, even in light of suffering, persecution, those things. Paul says, this is what you wear. We bear with one another. He goes on to say, forgiving. Forgiving as the Lord has forgiven you. Are you struggling with forgiveness today? Paul reminds us, this is what we wear. This is what we wear. This is us clothed in Christ, forgiving as Christ forgave us. In that last meal in the upper room with his disciples, Matthew 26, verse 27, 28, Jesus says this in a symbolic gesture of the fruit of the vine. He says, this is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Only through Christ's shed blood on the cross can we be forgiven. And so here it is. Paul's laying out the clothes. He lays out compassion. He lays out kindness. He lays out humility. He lays out meekness, gentleness in there, patience, bearing with one another, and forgiving. That word forgiving means literally forgiving yourselves. Remember, he's talking to the church. And so God's heart designed for the church is that we would be a body of mutually forgiving people. That we would always leave room to forgive as Christ forgave us. And in verse 14, he says, And above all of these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. This is the glue. This is the glue that holds it all together. Because if love doesn't exist, and you seek to live these character traits out, then it becomes a legalistic activity, which means you are doing it out of law than doing it through relationship. That it is love that fuels these in our life, his character in our life. Jesus said this, this is how you will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is the defining mark. This is the mark. This is the mark. John, Jesus said in John 15, verse 12 and 13, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than someone that would lay down his life for his friends. The question is this, is are you loving Believer, are you loving? This is what he's called us to. Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiveness, and love, holding it all together. Now, I don't know about you, but I just feel like for a moment we just need to call a quick time out, okay? Deep breath. Because if you're like me, you just, you just, we just read through like this is what we're to wear. This is the Christ life. And, and what can happen is we can be overwhelmed because we become overwhelmed with the realization that we fall short and that it is impossible on our own strength to measure up to every single one of these. And that is why the gospel is such good news. And that's why what Paul is helping us understand in this text is so crucial because listen it's not up to us and it's not on our own but we've been clothed in Christ who is love joy peace patience kindness goodness gentleness faithfulness and self-control that he is our gift righteousness but practically as a believer as we yield to his strength and his way we see this fruit of the spirit in our lives in our lives and so this this last truth that I want us to see is I believe how practically this plays itself out in our lives. And we see this, that believer's life is going to be marked by peace, his word, gratitude, and purpose. Look at verse 15. 
Verse 15 says this, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. It all begins a relationship. It all begins with a relationship. We're to live relationally because peace is impossible apart from a relationship with Jesus. There is no peace if you have no relationship with Jesus. You will never experience true peace apart from a relationship with Jesus. This is how we live this out. We live this out in a relationship with Jesus. Colossians 1.20, just earlier in the letter, Paul said this, and through him, Christ, to reconcile, in other words, make friendly relations again, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. cross Christ, through this sacrifice on the cross, made a way to have peace. Apart from Christ, there is no way to have peace with God. Christ made a way where there was no way. And so the question is this, is do you have peace? A better question is, do you have a relationship with God that has there been that time in their place in your life where you've acknowledged your need for Jesus, you have repented of your sin and you have placed your trust in King Jesus to save you. That is how we have peace with God. It begins with a relationship. So we live relationally and then we mature scripturally. Look at verse 16. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. It is impossible to live a life that glorifies God apart from his word. And so that word dwell means to live in us. It means to reside in our hearts. And so the question that we must ask ourselves, because he's talking to the church, remember, he's telling the church, is the word of God a visitor into your soul or is it a permanent resident in your soul? So is it just like a visitor that drops by once or twice a week? And like, hey, the word's here <laughs> and you're in the word and it's a good word. And then, but, but it's not the, like Paul's painting this picture. It's God through Paul. He's helping to see no, the word. Listen, the word is to saturate our hearts is to we're to live there, to surround our hearts in his word, to be tethered to the word that we mature scripturally. Romans 12 verse two says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That is only possible as you saturate your heart and your mind with his truth. So believer, don't be discouraged. Don't be overwhelmed, but we must be committed to saturating our mind with the word of God. It begins with a relationship. You live relationally, you mature scripturally, and then you speak thankfully. You speak thankfully. The verse 16 continues, says singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs, which with thankfulness in your hearts. So there's thankfulness again. He just said it. He says it again, and he's going to say it in just a moment. He said it in verse 15. He said, and be thankful. And then again, he says with thankfulness. So here's what I want you to do just for a moment. I want you to think back to a time when you were completely blown away at the generosity of someone who gifted you with something. It could be anything. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about when you're completely blown away by this gift and you just found yourself just living in, in just awe and like being blown away. I, I hesitated sharing this, but I, I wanted to share it with you uh, because at the end of the day, I just land and just say, God, you, you just, he's good no matter what, right? He's good no matter what. But we're minivan people, 
we've been minivan people for a long time. And, uh, and, and uh, we've had this minivan for a long, long time. And actually, when we were getting ready to move uh, from, from Florida up here, we actually were like, I, I don't think the van's going to make it. <laughs> I mean, I had zip-tied several things underneath. Things weren't working. Oil was leaking. AC went out. And so we had started kind of putting a little bit away, just kind of like get a new used van, you know, and, and that's what we're going to do. Um, and, and, and so I get cut straight to the chase. Somebody was aware became aware that we were, we, were, we were trying to figure the van thing out. And they just said, hey, I want you and Amber, I want you to meet me at this dealership at 4 o'clock. So, okay, what's going on? So we went and we pull up and, and a family and a guy there from the dealership, I noticed they had like four brand new vans that were just like kind of lined up. And, uh, and so we're just kind of like slowly like, uh, <laughs> what's going on? And, and he's like, come here, sit in this one, sit in this one. What do you think about this one? And he's like, and he was like pointing all this stuff. And we're just like, uh, he's like, well, let's look at this one. And so we got out of that and we went to this other one. He was like, he's like, now this one over here, this one does this and this. And Amber and I are just looking, we're like, what is going on right now? <laughs> like, what, what's happening? I'm like, well, hold on. I want you to see this one over here. It's like, now this one, this one over here, it does this, 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 this. And, 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 and long story short, he had said, now, now, you guys have been putting away a little bit for, for a van. I was like, yeah, he's like, and I mean, he was just like, well, well how much? And so we shared, he's like, he's like, oh yeah, that'll, that'll actually get you a brand new van here. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, is this the one? And we're like, uh, he's like, tell you what, take your van. I know the jump seat is in your home and there's probably stuff you need to go out. He said, I want you to go home and I want you to get your jump seat cleared out and bring it back. And when you get back, the keys will be waiting on you. Brand new van, brand new, never had a brand new vehicle in my life. I don't even know what some of the buttons do right now. <laughs> I'm just like, but, but, but the, like we're wearing mat. Like it was like when like everything's kind of going, like we got like our crying in our eyes and our, and our mask and we're just like what is happening right now we're, we're on the drive from the dealership back to our home and we're like what just happened what, what's going on right now amber's just sobbing i'm like what what's happening i have no words we get back to the car i don't even know we said anything we just sat in silence the whole way i get the jump seat i'm cleaning out our car i literally find this is embarrassing i'm sorry my wife is listening i find a half-eaten corn dog in the back of the seat like i find like all kinds of stuff it was disgusting and we're like cleaning this thing out and we go and we take our old zip tied up van and basically we walk in and they say here's your keys unbelievable here's why I say that I say that because we we wouldn't have done we couldn't have done that we we like I still get in the car and I'm like I shouldn't be in this car right now. I, I like, what does that button do? I'm not going to touch it because I don't know. I'm just like, I'm, I'm just completely overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. Like I can't get over it. And I know there's probably going to be at some point down the road where I get used to it, but I, I don't think I will. Like, I'm like, I shouldn't be in this car. And this is the picture I get when I see Paul. Paul saying, and with thankfulness, he's saying, don't get over what Christ has done for you. Like, do you understand what Christ has done for you? He has done something for you that you could never, ever do on your own. So never, ever get over it. 
Never get over it. You've been hidden in Christ. You've been gifted His righteousness. No, you don't deserve it. No, you couldn't have done it on your own. No, I realize like, like this is like the most incredible gift you've ever could ever be given and gifted. But the thing is, this is like, it's just this overflow of gratitude. If you've ever been there, you just find yourself like, I don't know how to say thank you. I don't know how to do it, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Even still randomly now, I just send the family pictures and I just say thank you. <laughs> I, mean, I, just, I just don't, you just don't get over that. And that's what Paul's helping to see. It's like, listen, live relationally, mature scripturally, but be thankful, be thankful, speak thankful. And then he wraps up with acting purposefully. Look at verse 17. He says, and whatever you do, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God. There it is again, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The great theologian Mark Twain said this. He said that, the two most important days in your entire life are the day that you're born and the day that you find out why. And here's what I know to be true based on the word of God is that when someone apart from a relationship understands their brokenness and need for a savior and you realize what Christ has done to make a way for you to have a relationship with him and to forgive you all of your sins, to disarm the enemy, to be hidden in him, to be wrapped in him, to be covered in him. And you realize, we realize as believers, the fact that we have a pulse right now is that we would give glory to him in every single thing we do. Then we discover what we've been made for. Whatever you do, whatever you do in word or in deed, that, that pretty much sums it up. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You were created for his glory. You were created for his, mess, for his mission and that everything in our lives would bring glory to him for what he has done for us. And so I'm gonna pray for us. And this letter was written to the church. So he's writing to brothers and sisters. He's writing to those who have a relationship with Jesus. So I would imagine that in the room today, there are many who have a relationship with Jesus. And if you're like me and every other believer, you find yourself a work in progress by God's grace. And, and here's, the, here's the encouragement practically for us is that are you living out of an obligation or are you living out of a relationship with Jesus? Just that it's in him and through him that we find rest. It's in him and through him that we discover what we're made for. It's in his strength that we live a life that honors him, not on our own, so that we live relationally, that we would mature or we would mature scripturally. In other words, we, we, would, we would intentionally set aside time. I'm not talking in a, in a rule-based way that, hey, if you have perfect attendance in church and you read your Bible every single day, you get special heaven points, okay? Like that, that, that's not a thing. Okay, but it's out of relationship. Like I want to soak my heart in his word. And so maybe it's just walking through a scripture. Maybe it's a verse of the day. Maybe it's going through a book, whatever that might be, saturating our minds with his word and then living, find ourselves being overwhelmed and blown away at what God has done for us. And what happens is we can't help but share that with others. And so this is what it looks like. This is what, it, this is what the, these are the clothes that fit us as believers. Out with the old in with the new. And then I would say this to anyone who may be here, anyone listening online, is that 
if you do not have a relationship, because that's what's my, I'm not asking if you could, if you could ace a quiz about the Bible. I'm, I'm asking, do you have a relationship with Jesus that you know that God loves you so much that he made a way where there was no way, that he loved you so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to live a perfect sinless life. He was crucified on the cross. He bled out the only way we could be forgiven so that we could be covered, so that we could be hidden in him. He was placed in the tomb and he rose again the third day. And the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I would say if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that today would be the day of salvation. Today would be the day, the spiritual birthday, where you give your heart to Jesus because there is no peace. There is no peace apart from knowing Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. God, thank you, God, that you are everything and way more than I could or I am. God, I thank you that, God, that that through your grace and through a relationship, through the power of your spirit, God, we can put off that old stuff that doesn't fit anymore. The power of sin has been broken through the finished work on the cross. And that, Father, that we would find ourselves completely yielded to you, wearing the clothes that were made for us. God, that we would literally rest in you, rest in being hidden in you, and then in your strength, living a life that brings glory to you. So, Father, whether it's living relationally, developing that relationship, maturing in the word, being thankful. God, help us never get over it. God, may we find ourselves yielded to give you absolutely everything because it's all yours. And Father, I pray for that person who may be here apart from a relationship with you that today, today would be the day of salvation to quit putting it off. It's not one of these things where we're gonna get ourselves uh, self-improved and then come, it'll never happen. God, for anyone apart from a relationship, today would be the day of salvation. God, I pray that you would work in our hearts. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to stand together and we're going to have a time of response. And uh, our heart is just that that we would be sensitive and open to what God would call us to do. We're going to have some pastors down front. They'd love to pray over you. Uh, This is a judgment-free zone, okay? All right, and so we're a family. And so if you need somebody to pray over you, we would love to pray over you. If you want to come to the altar and pray, come to the altar and pray. If you need to turn your pew into an altar, turn your altar to a pew. But listen, Christ has done great things and mighty things. Let's be sensitive to His Spirit. And believer, if there's nothing in your world that you're currently praying for or over, can I just say... Let us pray for those who are apart from a relationship with Jesus. They will come to Jesus and give their hearts to Jesus. Let's pray.